Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson, the talk show that makes the connections between research, policies, and practitioners that are too often missing from the American education system. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Good day, listeners. Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. I am your host, Jonathan Jefferson. You can learn more about me at my show page on TalkZone.com. Today, we will discuss mental health education. Let me share part of a paragraph I read in an article by Craig P. Gibson titled, Overcoming the Stigma of the Learning Disability, A Story of Survival and Recovery. Shaking, trembling, heart racing, forehead sweating, a six-year-old boy sits nervously in the front row of a typical first-grade classroom alongside 25 students with his head down, hoping to God the teacher won't call on him to, to answer yet another question, a question his mind will not allow him to answer, let alone process. Ladies and gentlemen, this youngster, according to this paragraph, is dealing with anxiety. Many of us know children who have anxiety from school, many of us, when we were children ourselves, had anxiety at different points in our schooling. And symptoms of anxiety, panic attacks, depression, bipolar disorder, and a host of other mental illnesses affect students' abilities to learn. Today, my first guest is Hakeem Rahim. Hakeem Rahim is the first African-American to graduate from his high school as valedictorian. And he went on to, to earn a bachelor's in psychology from Harvard and dual master's from Columbia University. This highly educated gentleman is a mental health consultant, speaker, and founder of Live Breathe LLC. Hakeem, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Jefferson. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Uh, Hakeem, why don't you share with us your personal challenges with mental illness? Uh, sure. So, so my journey with mental illness begins actually at 17. So at 17, I was a freshman, a bright-eyed freshman um, in Harvard Yard. I remember the day that my parents dropped me off way back in 1998 now. And I remember having a sense of excitement being there. But that sense of excitement quickly turned to anxiety, as you talked about, and panic and fear. Uh, one evening when I was hanging out with my friends during the first few weeks of school, I had a serious panic attack. My hands became sweaty, palms, um, uh, my chest beating very hard, my heart like it was about to leap out of my chest. Um, and that was just the first instance where my journey with mental illness began. A year after that, um, in that spring, I actually had my first manic episode. So during that manic episode, which is the high part of bipolar disorder, where your mood is very, is very charged, you have a lot of energy, you think you can conquer the world. And I experienced all of that. Um, in fact, my parents, just thinking I was stressed out, um, sent me to Grenada to, to hang out on, on the sunny island where my father's from. But instead of just hanging out and relaxing, I was actually fell into deep depression, which is the other end of bipolar disorder. Um, I returned to school uh, that after that summer, and at 19, I was actually had my second manic episode, the spring of 2000. And during that spring, I was actually hospitalized for two weeks. And there's where I found out that I was that I was stamped with the label of bipolar disorder. And <clears throat> this journey has taken me over the course of now 14 years 
of self-discovery, of learning how to treat myself um, and get treatment and, and deal, use coping skills. And now even talking about it openly in an environment which is very, very um, harsh towards people with mental illness, um, not because there is anything wrong with having mental illness, but just a lack of knowledge of what mental illness is. Um, so that's my journey really began um, in, in college when I was a freshman at, at Harvard University, and my journey still continues. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to to be on your show to openly express and talk about um, these, you know, my condition and and what I'm doing to to forward this movement of breaking the silence and ending the stigma around mental illness. Okay, so what initially motivated you to speak so openly on a taboo topic, especially sharing your your personal experience? Well, you, you know, um, it's funny because I think that. Whether or not we know what we do in life, we, we do have a sense of why we do what we do. But deep down, we, we just sometimes we don't have that knowledge. So what I mean by that is that um, my whole past, my, my trajectory, professional trajectory, and now uh, vocational trajectory has, um, has extended from being African-American studies major in college. And I was mentored by the likes of Cornell West and Henry Louis Gates, Jr., but when I, after I was diagnosed and went back to college my junior year, I actually switched my major to psychology. So I graduated from Harvard with a degree in psychology and went on to Columbia to do dual master's in psychological counseling, as you had mentioned earlier. <clears throat> excuse me. Then I went on to do a degree in life, co- excuse me, certification in life coaching. And currently I speak about openly about mental illness. And I think really what it was was that this whole time after being diagnosed, I was really preparing myself for this moment. And I think it's, it's, I guess it's my Tony Robbins moment that I think we are always being prepared for what we're called to do. And I think that subconsciously I know that this is what I've been called to do. Um, and it's, it's a, it has been a long journey, but now where I'm at, the place where I'm at, I feel confident that, that this is the right thing. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned earlier uh, breaking the silence. Yeah. And- uh, I believe you were instrumental in, in helping develop the Breaking the Silence curriculum for schools. Okay, so Breaking the Silence, I was not instrumental in developing what I, oh, okay. what I have been doing. No, that's no, okay. Um, so let, the, the background behind Breaking the Silence lesson plan curriculum is now in its fifth edition. Um, this is not a commercial for it, but I'm just explaining what, what, it's, uh, what it's all about. It's now in its fifth edition, and there's an upper elementary, middle school, and high school lesson plan booklets, and it's fully um, scripted for educators to teach students about mental health. The origin of this was um, two educators as well as parents of um, children with mental illness. Um, the names are Lorraine Kaplan and Janet Susson. Janet Susson, who's actually the president of National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI Queens Nassau chapter. And those who they, they, they felt when, when their, their sons, both of their sons were diagnosed with mental illness, there was nothing that they could turn to. Um, one of their sons is 40 years old now. And there was nothing that they could turn to when their sons were diagnosed. So there was a silence even in the schools of how can we help my child, our children, learn and people around them be more cognizant and even more sensitive to what they're going through. And they found nothing in the school. So what they did, they took the initiative, I think it was back in the late eighties, um, early nineties to develop these key lesson plans. And what I've been doing is going into schools um, to talk about mental health and mental illness in the schools. 
You've spoken to thousands of students at nearly 40 high, high schools. How have they responded? You know, uh, I start by just opening with a PowerPoint and um, talking to them about what mental illness is, just really stats and figures and really making it engaging for them, even though it's, it's, it's just stats and figures, really putting it to context. But it's not only to the end of my presentation, the second half, that I start sharing my story around mental illness. And at the end of the entire presentation, I ask them to raise their hands. I say, now, who in here thought that I had a mental illness when I first walked in the room and started talking? And inevitably, every, almost every single head starts shaking, um, no. And that has been the main response. Students have said that this has shifted our perception around what it means to look like to have a mental illness. And not only has it shifted a lot of perceptions, students have been coming up to me and saying, hey, my mom is dealing with this. Hey, my dad, my cousin, my aunt. Hey, I am dealing with this. And thank you so much for presenting this material and, and sharing your courage and wisdom because this, this has helped me a lot. And that, that's the, really the goal, to, to empower them to talk about it. And I, I really believe it's this generation coming up, um, whether it be college, high school, middle school, young professionals that are really going to shift the tide in what it means to have a mental illness. So the, the response has been, has been phenomenal. Okay. Now, uh, explain to us what Live, Breathe is about. Now, that, that I'm sure you're the founder of. Am I correct? Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Right on the money with that one. Um, so Live, Breathe is uh, my company. I started in 2007, but officially launched in 2012 when I left uh, my full-time job in higher education. I worked as an academic advisor for five years. And Live, Breathe really is about me being in alignment with what I want to do in this world and being authentic because it wasn't until I started my company and started working my company full time that I had begin to talk about my mental illness and mental health condition openly, very openly and live, breathe. What I do with my company is one, I, I do professional development Two, mainly I, I speak to, to students um, about mental health and mental illness. Um, three, I speak to high schools, excuse me, I speak to high school, college, middle school students. I also speak at hospitals um, uh, to, to support groups of people with mental illness as well. Um, and that's, that's the mental health aspect of, of my business. Um, it's really a, a, a consulting business. Uh, work closely with NAMI. But ultimately what it is, it is me living in this world authentically and doing what I, I feel I'm called to do, uh, which is give back through my experiences and really support myself. It's time to take a short break, but stay tuned. We'll be back with more from Hakeem Rahim right after this. Welcome back to Educate on Talk Zone. Here's Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Hakeem Rahim. Uh, Hakeem, you still with us? I am. I am right, right here. Okay. Hakeem, can you share a story, any, any stories of, of kids who uh, were completely sheltered until they came across your presentation and it's kind of changed the trajectory of their lives? Maybe they went out and uh, got assistance or something? 
Um, so the thing about it is I, I know I, I present to students normally once, um, and uh, the follow-up is usually done by the teachers through the, the, the mental health lesson plans. Um, but ultimately, I can share two stories with you, um, and not necessarily knowing if they were sheltered or not, but I know two students um, in particular that I met had pretty interesting stories around um, mental illness. And, and one of them uh, was the one at the first high school I presented at, which was Lindbrook High School. And after my presentation, um, actually during my presentation, the young lady, one young lady at Lindbrook High School walked out of the classroom, um, sort of holding her, her face in her hands, and a friend sort of ran back out after her. And I kind of motioned to the teacher to f- find out if it was okay to continue. And uh, he said, proceed. Um, and during later on in the presentation, before it was over, the young lady came back in the room. And at the presentation, I went over to her, I put my hand on her shoulder, I said, is everything okay? And what she said to me, she said, thank you so much for coming here because I have a strange relationship, a strained relationship with my mother. And I haven't seen her in over two years. And that's because she has bipolar disorder. And because of your presentation um, and seeing you that you're doing so well, um, it gives me hope because I'm supposed to see her again next week. Um, and that stuff like that happens all the time. And that was so moving for me. Mm-hmm. And another story is uh, with a young man that, that I've, I've come to call my friend. Uh, he's a Port Washington High School student. And he has a, a personal story around mental health um, that deals with his family. And we become um, uh, bonded because of this particular issue. And what we have done is we've created um, a collaboration. I do. A, I close with a poem at the end of my presentation. And what we've done um, through that poem, we, he plays the guitar acoustically. Uh, he plays the guitar, and I recite the poem over his playing um, the guitar. And we've recorded it as a song. It's called "It's Not Those Days," and it's really to honor um, and commemorate, as well as acknowledge um, what people are going through around mental health and mental illness. But there, there are more stories and. But I'll stop there. Well, well, I look forward to hearing that song someday. That that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> yes, I will definitely. I'll send it right over to you afterwards. Yeah. Now I know you've worked with adults as well. Uh, how do you approach if, if you're if you're working with a group of teachers and you're trying to prepare them to not only look within themselves and their own experiences, but to be able to. Uh, uh, help students, you know, how do you approach a presentation? I know you're a college professor, but when you're presenting to adults, is it a different approach that you take or is it the same approach as high school students? Well, um, you know, I read an article that talked about how do you shift perception around mental health and mental illness and stigma. And in this article, and, and I'll actually be, I'll send it over to you if you feel free to post it on the website or or um, take a look at it yourself, Dr. Jefferson. But in this in this article, it talks about how do you shift stigma and shift shift perceptions of stigma around mental illness. Um, one one talked that one side of the article talked about adults, and the other talked about children and adolescents. So they said in order to shift stigma uh, in adults, what you have to do is have contact with somebody who has a mental illness. First contact and then educate. So that was one thing. And then with young people, what you have to do is the reverse. You have to educate them and then provide them with contact with somebody who has a mental illness. So that's that two, that duality. So how, learning the facts and then also interacting with somebody who has a mental illness and preferably is doing really well. Um, so my approach 
with teachers is really to say, I start by sharing my story um, very openly. The same story I might share, I will, I would share with the students Um, because they're adults. It really helps to give them context and and show them that there is um, a a brighter side of mental illness. And then I proceed into educating them around um, mental illness and signs and symptoms around what what it would look like in adolescence and how it would then correspond to what it would look like in their classrooms. Okay. Now, uh, something you said, you know, took me back for a second. Now, what, what percentage of the population, I know this is not, there's no concrete data because that's virtually impossible, but what percentage of the population do you believe uh, experiences mental illness? Well, the, the general consensus is that uh, one quarter of Americans experience some form of diagnosable mental illness in any given year. And um, a great number of, I don't have the exact statistic, but they say generally all of us at some point in our lives experience some form of mental illness on the complete spectrum, whether it be some sort of depression or anxiety. We all experience um, some sort of of agitation or or mental um, disruption, however you want to call it. Um, but the thing about it is, is, is it's so strange that if we all experience some things uh, around mental health and mental illness, and, and the mind is, is what we use every single day, most of us, but if we all experience some things around mental illness, yet we're not talking about it, that, that's, such a, that's, that's so conflicting uh, for me, and that's why I'm so, that's, I'm so passionate about making it more in alignment, like, we, we all have experienced some form of mental health issue in our lives, yet why aren't we talking about it? And, and that, that is a thing that we have to address. And uh, hopefully through me sharing my story and all the other people, a lot of other people who are out there sharing their stories, uh, we can make it okay to say that, hey, no, no today not, everything is not all right. I'm, I'm not just okay. I'm actually feeling pretty down. And you know what? I, I really can't engage like this i can't i can't have this conversation and make that all right and and really that's that's the goal okay now sometimes you hear people who uh rather rather casually or or flippantly say oh well i'm depressed and it might last for two seconds or it might be something that they're saying that doesn't really speak to clinical depression it's just something they say as an expression for example uh there's a big difference between someone who suffers from migraine headaches and then a normal headache you know, so so somebody flippantly says, "Oh, I have a migraine," yet they're going about their day normal. They're not in that much, you know, distress. Well, it's it's two different things. One is clinical, and one is almost just an, a passing ex- expression. So, um, how would you warn people against the difference between uh, using that terminology and the reality of someone who might be clinically depressed? So, uh, thank you for that question because I think language is so important. Um, with the words we say carry a lot of meaning, and even if we're in positions, especially when we're in positions of power, whether it be a superintendent, whether it be an administrator, whether it be a teacher in the classroom who has, um, who has influence over their young people. Uh, with that said, we have to be careful with the words we use. Um, in terms of the, the variation of what an illness is, I think it's dangerous in, in, in certain respects to say that what you're experiencing just because it's not a migraine um, and maybe a headache is not as severe, therefore it's not as painful because everybody experiences pain in a different way. And I think once we can start to say that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just sad versus depressed, 
can say, yes, I, I'm sad. Well, you kind of understand how I'm feeling. Yes. Um, we, we can we can start to say um, that maybe maybe you can experience depression as well. So one thing I, I would say is that we can't label how somebody's feeling and say that this is the degree to which you're feeling it. Um, with that said, I think language is important. Um, so you, you do have to be uh, aware of what you say about what you're feeling because somebody mm-hmm. else might take it a totally different way. So I, I, ultimately what it boils down to is educate and know that language, and language especially if you have power is so important. Okay. Well, we've been speaking with Hakeem Rahim, founder of Live, Breathe, LLC. To learn more about Mr. Rahim and Live, Breathe, LLC, visit his website at HakeemRahim.com. That's H-A-K-E-E-M-R-A-H-I-M.com. Hakeem, I want to thank you for being on our show. Dr. Jefferson, this is definitely a pleasure, and uh, I wish you much success with the radio show. I know it starts. It just started, and I wish your guests uh, much success as well, your, your co- upcoming guest, because uh, I read his bio, and I, I think he sounds like a really amazing man. So um, good luck with your show, and um, and all my best to your next guest. Thank you. I appreciate it. You take care. You do. Thank you. Okay, stay tuned, because in our next half hour, will be joined by a most interesting mental health professional and author.